0: All right, I want to have a serious conversation, fellas. Uh, now, we all we all uh, do a lot of working from home nowadays. And uh, today, I had a shower. Now, I follow a policy of showers yes. that th- this is the way I do a lot of, uh, let's call it GTDing in my life, uh, which is I've recognized that if I don't do something right now, it is not going to happen. There's a certain category <laughs> of things like that that like I just have to do them or. You know, then if I don't do it now, I'm going to have to, like, you know, figure out how to do a meetings and teams. I got to go pick up the kids. Oh, Kim's going to yes. want me to hold the baby. I got to make dinner. Yeah. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm reading day some Mark back in bed. Right. Yes. And so, like, now showers are one of these things. Right. So I was just like at some point in the day, I was like, uh, I got I'm to go do it right now. See you later. Right. And so That's I good. It, was, it was nice. But now this is we're all working from home. Now, listen, listen. Already before this, I would not take a shower daily. There was a point in my life uh, where I did take a shower daily. It just seemed like (laughs) just seemed like what you do. Like I was talking to my therapist about another topic recently, and he said, you know, the thing with kids as as an analogy is we all brush our teeth. We don't even think about it. We don't. We just brush it. Like we don't. It's not a battle. But the kids haven't learned this yet. And I think at one point I was like that with showers. I would just take a shower without thinking about it. But now I'm back to that. Fucking seven-year-old, ten-year-old thing with toothbrushing, where I just uh, like, I gotta, I gotta get someone like strap some barbed wire around my chest and drag me to it. And but the the question I, I have
1: I, a sixteen-year-old who can't brush his teeth. Ooh. So yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good. <laughs> yeah, the,
0: Wait, at that, at that age, I don't think that you get new teeth. I think that's your, I think that's no, your life set. No. So my no, question was... is: No, you can choose not to answer this. Is oh, oh, I'm going to What one. schedule are you on for showers? What is realistic? What do I need? What, what's the <laughs> benchmark I need to find my variants from?
1: Well, when you first said showers in GTD, I was trying to think that was some acronym of like, you know, get the dirt or something. But then my mind went some dirty places. So um, hmm. I'm going to say <laughs> I, I strive for daily. Uh, worst envelope is, you know, every uh, – sometimes I'll take a shower at night, skip the next day, and then take one the morning after. But then I say to myself, "That's what I'm gonna do." And working from home, not going out much, I might be like, "Huh, uh, it's nighttime again, and I forgot to shower this morning."
0: Now, now so, before before we get to Brandon, and then we'll we'll get to the uh, the tech news about how uh,
1: disgusting I am. Yes,
0: I want I want There's there's a certain strategy I, I, I have to think about is, and and you I, I I struggle with the answer is. So I got I got a bike ride to take the kids to school in the morning, and then I got another round trip bike ride to pick them up now am I going to take a shower in between the bike rides or do I need to wait till after the second bike ride? Second question on this is how much
1: times right? between them?
0: Well, there's a lot of time, but it, it's okay. more about, it's more about finding that place in the day where you're the optimal part in the curve between I'm clean now, but then there's <laughs> the rest of the day where I'm going to get dirtied up, right? Cause you don't want to, you don't want to take it. I feel like if I took a shower at bedtime, Right. Yeah. Like if you sleep and wake up the next morning, you've sort of like canceled out the shower power. Right. No, like,
1: no. You're still
0: clean. You're still okay. Cause <laughs> okay. Cause I feel like maybe I could take a shower before bed, but that doesn't, I don't know. That doesn't seem right. But it seems like the optimal thing would you, you would take a shower first thing in the morning. But the problem there is like that first it's time in the morning testing. is the only time I have to myself. And mm. I need to like, you know, read some RSS feeds and, you know, chill out and have some coffee. So I don't want to be taking a shower. I, well, I can use my phone in the shower. Uh, I can't really drink Wait, coffee what? in the shower because it's waterproof. So you can uh, listen to a podcast, no, no, take notes. Just,
1: please, no. I, I, I don't. I don't need p- people in my family, especially mm. children, thinking, "Oh yeah, I got to take the phone into the shower." No, I'm burning through like a phone every nine months in this household. So please, yeah.
0: no. Okay, so so one is your primary and secondary optimal time during the day to take a shower, Matt Ray, given this, these concerns that I have. Uh, I'm
1: glad I'm not the only one who's, who has these deep thoughts on, on shower, uh, optimization. Um, so, so my morning schedule involves a lot of waking people up, taking people to school, Mm -hmm. making Mm -hmm. sure people have left for their bus, that kind of stuff. And so, um, Sometimes I look at, I'm like, well, it's, you know, 25 minutes until the next thing I'm supposed to do this morning. I yeah. could try to go, you know, sip some coffee or, you know, RSS feed it. But uh, I'm just going to take a shower because, you know, I, that way I can't get asked to do anything else.
0: Yeah. yeah I, so <laughs> you're combining together two strong concepts that at this point in my life I appreciate. One is the, uh, is, is the idiom catches, catch can or something. I've never learned this idiom, but it's sort of like. It's just like just take what you can get right like yes. when, when you see uh, when you see a bird in the hand well, but, but it's one... also
1: it's, it's, it's also optimizing those uninterrupted blocks of time later. I mean see I don't have like any kids at home yes right yes. so my kids are all at school so uh, that block of like nine o'clock to
0: right no and, and, and the second thing is I think this is something that you learn I wish I had known this earlier in life like that I should max out my 401k uh, every mm. every year is that any moment, any excuse, any chore you can find that allows you to isolate yourself from your family, you should take. <laughs> this what is just out
1: of my head. You got um, to wash the dishes, take the shower, pick up the dishes. dog
0: poop, take the dog on a walk. You're yeah. just like, I don't know, those bo- that bookshelf in the basement, it's kind of rickety. I think I might oh. need to go, uh, uh-oh, Looks like the toilet overflowed. Anyone want to come help me fix that? Didn't think so. See y'all later. Yeah. 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 Um, All right. All right. So Brandon.
1: You're not alone.
0: Yeah, tell me, <laughs> tell me what the, uh, help me, help me fit you on the maturity curve of, of showering. What, what should I, what should I be doing here based on your, your performance?
2: Well, I, I would say, um, you know, the work at home has really changed it up. I would say, you know, before that, before working and going into office every day, great routine, get up, take the shower, usually drop, drop the kid at school, get into work. So that became, that was, you know, almost a hundred percent every time. Now I will say now my shower behavior is uh, highly correlated to my first meeting of the day. So, Mm. so for example, um, you know, I work with a lot of people in India and other places where, you know, they, where their afternoon is my morning. So I have to be cognizant of that. So, the earlier the morning meeting is the less likely I am to take a shower. Cause I'll just be like, Oh, I, I just want to do it. So I would say I'm probably, you know, five out of seven days, four out of seven, but I do kind of have this, it's sort of like a, I don't know what you call it, like a deteriorating approach. It's like, well, if the meetings start too early and I don't get to the shower before 12 PM, then I'm just like, Uh, yeah, you know, just, I'm just going to miss yeah, it. I'm huh. just going to do it. It's a, uh, uh,
0: it's, it's like a just-in-time shower with a uh, fixed window of opportunity.
2: I, um, and- but I do think on the shower, I do have uh, I have a Alexa, but like any smart speaker, that I turn I put that on there so you can listen to the news, listen to your podcast. So so I don't mind. I like uh, during the day, like when there is that break, kind of what Matt Ray is talking about. It's like not not necessarily avoiding work because I know it's there, but it's just like oh, this would be a good. Uh, I don't. I want a thirty-minute break into your like almost want to do a chore here, and it's like oh, let me just go take a shower, like put on uh, yeah. some news get cleaned up. Uh, and, and that actually sounds soothing, right? It's kind of like nice kind of mid morning or, you know, whenever you have that 30 minute break in your schedule and then oh, yeah. you're on with the day. So I, I generally do it, but I've, uh, and I do notice one thing you, it was interesting. Like I am personally just a, at this point, like to take the showers just in the morning. That's my preference. But I have noticed maybe this is the U S thing. All children basically take showers at night. So that idea that like, like you lose the shower, you lose day. the cleanliness overnight. It's like I guess that doesn't apply to kids, or it's just yeah, like well, it I, would be I, impossible I, yeah. to get your kid up to take a shower and get them to school. That's like that's too I think, much. I think oh, I think I
0: yeah. think that's I don't know how it is in 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 other cultures like uh, you know over there in Denmark I don't know what their hagi is on this or whatnot but like uh, I think there's a ritual of kids have a shower at night to kind of help calm them down and as Matt Ray said kind of yeah. like remove the dirt from them but that does uh, <laughs> that does have uh, yeah, that's the a primary
1: room. focus of showers
0: not, <laughs> of not, not
1: relaxing remote. and you know thinking in podcasts no it's to get clean gtd yeah, and get the dirt yeah.
0: yeah that's that's why that's actually why they have those uh those nozzles on hoses so that you can just stand the kid up in the, in the bathtub and just shoot shoot the dirt off of them be like turn and then throw turn. some powder soap at them <laughs> <laughs> yeah and they're like i'm old enough to do this myself and you're like but uh, you don't <laughs> yeah yeah Mm, that's true. <clears throat> well, uh I think there there's there's a there's a there's a bevy, a rash, uh, a rash. uh an algae bloom of IPOs going about in infrastructure software now. I don't know what a Snowflake is. Uh it looks like it's a very popular thing. I saw that I was reading up on it in Wikipedia. It looks like Bob Muglia who was I always liked him yeah. over at Microsoft. He was the CEO there for a little while and then you got the uh you got the frank slotman used to be he he took over as a service now uh ceo from one of the original the, founders the golden, i think
1: the golden ceo he's got the touch
0: yeah yeah like his it's, third big ipo it's very exciting but i i so you know it looks like it does some sort of data analysis thing in the cloud uh runs you know on top of amazon or the big the big three clouds there and uh, I, I was reading, I forget where it was, but I was reading one of the articles we have about it. And it's hilarious. I keep reading it. It's very typical, like financial coverage. You know, it's just, it's all agog about the numbers and stuff. And at one point, there's some paragraph that's like, Snowflake does data warehousing in the cloud with exactly. analysis. And then it's just like this one sentence. Then it moves on. It's like, but how about those numbers? And it really is. I think they even said that they compete with Amazon or something like that. But it, it, it is uh it was uh now I was curious about that because I am ignorant about it, but you would, you would think in an article, there would be a little bit of writing up. Now, now that that's having proclaimed my ignorance, what does this company do? Does this, does either of you know uh, why they are so valuable? I think I read something that they're more valuable than VMware at the moment, which I think, oh, someone took a screenshot somewhere and showed me that our old I guess we could call him friend. I was always a big fan of the cloud underscore opinion person. And I think he had that. I don't know if it's a he, they uh, had some uh, had some sort of comparison to other companies, which makes the absurdity of it.
1: Uh. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I had to read several of those IPO articles before I kind of cracked what was going on. <laughs> Cause so I was what's like, going I hear... on? So it's it's um, data warehousing.
0: Right? Hold on. It's not... I got so excited I need to go change my pants.
1: <laughs> exactly, right? Uh yeah, it's it's as exciting as it sounds, right? Um mm. you know, so uh they they help roll up and standardize all your data across multiple sources no matter where it is, mm. and uh provide a consistent interface to it so you can you know write those those big, uh, what do they call them? OLAP queries or whatever, Um, you know, uh, where you're like, Hey, I want to know how many nozzles are being sold for showers in Amsterdam during podcasting hours. Right. And those are in different databases. So you got to go hit, you know, at different sources. So they, they kind of, and, and, but the thing is they also handle the storage and the compute. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're, you're an AWS customer, you're like, I just have Redshift and I dump all that stuff in there and, you know, it knows how to find all those things. Well, um, Snowflake will store data for you and uh-huh. provide, you know, <laughs> they provide like standardized billing onto the front end of what may be different clouds. You know, so they, uh okay. they also, they, they, they wrap your, your storage and your compute costs so you don't see those. So, you know, they're, Um, so to you, you're just like, I got data in the clouds and data centers and they're like, we got this. And you, you know, you just put in your inputs and then they're like, now you can query it. And you're like, where is it? And they're like, don't worry, just pay
0: the bill. Right. So I see, I see. Yeah. That's, that's what they do. I mean, that, that sounds great. That's uh, the, that's the, that's the dream we've been chasing forever. Right. You had the, uh. You had the Hadoop that did that, as I recall, and I don't know why that we don't that didn't solve all the problems. Exactly. And then you had you had uh, now you got the uh, you got the the Airtable, right? Mm-hmm. Does mm-hmm. does that do? You know, I realized I think I think what's happening there's all this low code talk. People are always asking me, not always, every now and then they ask me about low code, and I I think the low code market now there's there's like um, I think it's Mindix or something. But, you know, there are some sort of file maker-ish type of low-code things. But I have a sense that the low-code market is like, uh, what is it, Airtable? And they have another thing that's basically just like kind of fancy, like, spreadsheets. And maybe even, um, what's the wiki thing that people like? Is it Notion? I mean, Notion is definitely one thing. But there's another, Uh, like, team. Yeah, there's like some sort of team-based wiki kind of thingamajiggy. That SharePoint. has like emoticons, and, <laughs> yeah, but I think I think this this low code thing is like it, you know it's gonna be just like souped up like spreadsheets or you know access database things, which is totally fine, uh, and would be kind of fun. Which I guess if if you had a snowflake and you put one of these uh, super spreadsheets on top of it, you just go to town, right? Then you would you'd finally know. I the, guess the so. Sales forecast. I don't know.
1: I mean, obviously. Uh... Obviously, I didn't make a lot of money off this uh, Snowflake IPO. Mm-hmm. Um, I missed the boat. Still not, still not crazy about it. <laughs> it's yeah. just, you know, what are they trading at now? Like an eighty multiplier.
2: Now I did get a little yeah. uh, a little research here from the Software Defined Talks Slack group. So this is what I yes. learned: is that evidently, the data engineering people love it. That's number one. Yeah. That, and I think it's this. This is the classic. Uh, they like Snowflake because it has what they want. They don't have to talk to anyone, no infrastructure, no nothing. It's like ah. a SaaS-based mm. service for them. So that's one. And evidently that it's really good if you're a data uh, analyst to like let you do what you want. So, And uh, Ryan, I'll give Ryan full credit here. He was the one who said uh, in the – if uh, and when we recommended that everyone sit this IPO out, it's a fantastic advice from all of us. Ryan was actually on the uh, the stream and he he said buy all day. He was like hundred percent in best thing yeah, in the market. Yeah. So I think it is an area, uh, you know, one of the few areas that we don't necessarily know all that much about. It's like I don't know. I think if you're a data uh, analyst, yeah, a data yeah. engineering kind of person, that evidently it's like the tool. And I did have this similar experience, not for Snowflake, but. Uh, I got a hold of Tableau in the early days like when I was just Ooh, like yeah. stuck with a lot of Excel spreadsheets. And I was like, I got in there and I was like, Tableau is the greatest thing ever. I think for like three weeks, I was like, we should all be using this. Excel is dead. Um, and and eventually, you know, at that very moment, people are just like, what, I, what are you talking about? It doesn't matter. Uh, but then, of course, Tableau went on to be really successful. So I do think like, there is that very powerful moment of like, oh, I have access to all my data. I can do exactly what I want. I'm not stuck in Excel. And uh, it it's giving me the, the reports for my PowerPoints that my executives love. So in the end, I think that's what a lot of this is. So I don't know, you know, valuations. And of course, we're not an investment podcast. And of course, we only give out bad investment advice. But I mean, given this, I see I now understand more about why people are excited about it. Whether uh-huh. it's worth this valuation, I mean, this is like all these stocks these days. Like, who knows? Like, it, that's like a whole other question. But it does seem like, at least at the moment, it has a very strong, passionate user base of data engineering people.
0: I, I think. I think maybe. I think there's a general principle we could reinforce here, but kind of a guiding a guiding thumb light to mix met whatever those are, and that is, if there is a software product that allows you to do an in-round in-round to in-run around governance that takes time it will be successful right so <laughs> if, if if you so, if, so, if you so data, have data
1: data engineers are the new kingmakers that's what i'm hearing
0: yeah exactly and you know so and i have experienced this when i've worked at various companies and i wanted access to what i thought would be simple data it would always be like ooh you have to email this one person who like is the one person we know who will get you access because there is no way you're getting access to that and so this is similar like you know why cloud is so popular you don't have to uh, file tickets and uh, talk to people you just do self-service why SaaS became so popular because you don't have to go through a purchasing program and do all that you just go sign up for gmail and everything and on and on and on so anytime that there is a new uh Business piece of software that allows you to completely uh, sub, subverts the wrong word, avoid uh, going through the usual channels to just start using the tool. Chances are very high that it will be uh, successful. <laughs> and and so that's the so interviewing.
1: Cote's advice is you know invest in you know VPNs, dark darknet Tor nodes. <laughs> I think I think
0: Cote <laughs> just endorsed wait, wait, Shadow,
1: IT. Oh. Shadow IT. Shadow yeah,
2: IT endorsement yeah, yeah. for Cote. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So that's what you want to do is, you know, among other things, you want to go interview the the users and be like, "How long did you have to wait to get access to this? Yes. What tickets did you have to yes. fall out?" And 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 the closer to zero that both of those answers are, the better uh, opportunity but, you have there.
1: But but what about tools like ServiceNow that are the opposite of that?
0: Well, no, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's an exclusive one to one thing. Okay. I'm just I mean. There are many other options that are more restrictive that also are are good. good in- I'm doing air quotes here. But this <laughs> this is one indication that whatever you may be looking at might be uh, yeah. a, a legit ah, sort gotcha. of thing.
2: Well, I think it falls back to this, uh, you know, the, everyone's always like, oh, what is what are the benefits of your software? And it's like, well, let me tell you, the benefits of all enterprise software are uh, increased productivity and reduced cost. That's it. Now you mm, know them all. Yes. So I think this is to your point, right, that anytime someone is – uh, a captive user base is forced to wait uh, any period of time in, in order to get access to a tool that they feel like is necessary for their job, you have the opportunity to, quote unquote, increase productivity by offering it to them instantly. Right. And then you can mm-hmm. charge typically some um, premium for that. Right. And then that is where uh, potentially, you know, the sh- either shadow IT or uh, empowerment, depending on you know, which side of the coin you want to think about that. So it, it does make sense. It's like, yeah, I totally get if, huh. uh, like, because, I mean, I think my natural instinct is is probably just what Snowflake would, you know, they'd be like, yeah, exactly. It's like you could do all this in GCP or Azure or AWS. And they say, absolutely, you could. But it would take you, you know, you have to set it all up and it won't be really easy. And then you have to find your AWS admin or yeah, do it yourself. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, you open up the AWS identity and access management screens. And you're just like, I'm done. You're like, I'm out. Yeah. Now I I, I I, I don't, I don't know
0: the, uh, what, what measurement is the average selling price? I forget. Is that the ARPU or something? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the average contract that you have or or Average contract
2: value ACV, baby. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what their ACV is to kind of judge what their, their, uh, their sales process is like, but this, this sounds like the kind of product you can do the ultimate demo, which is like the night before, you're like, give me a hard drive Mm
2: -hmm. of
0: all your data. Yeah, and I'll do some stuff
2: for you, right, yeah.
0: And then your SEs had, like, you know, a few drinks. They're going to have a few more. You get them, like, a bottle of bourbon or whatever. And they're going to sit there and, like, upload that thing to the cloud and then, like, drink a bunch of, like, Pepto-Bismol with Tums mixed into it the next morning. And then you're going to go into that meeting and be like, query it. And you just, like, and they'll look at all this data that's loaded up in there. They'll make their queries and they'll be like, no, tell me just like they're kind of selling them some steak knives. How long would it usually take you to do that? And they would say like, oh, I don't even know, five, six days. And they're like, you just did that in 30 seconds. And then there oh. you go, make a sale. So I think that's, uh, I mean, try to do that with one of these multi-cloud platforms. Mm-hmm. Am I right? <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I think this is the same, you know, former sponsor uh, on MongoDB right there. Uh, they've got that whole, the Atlas, they've got something similar. So, you know, f- so I think it is, it's one of those kind of areas, like if you, heavy into data, but you're not necessarily a developer and you're not writing the code and you're not you know, well-versed in all these different programming frameworks, it's like, yeah, oh yeah, just the database. So the data analysis part is all I care about. It's like, yes, there is a good niche there. Now, this does have done, I will say on the valuation side, it's like, okay, the value proposition is strong. But it does have, like, all the hallmarks of just people getting carried away, like AI and just all this other stuff. It's like, oh, wow, this is a data analysis tool mm-hmm. that's really easy, and data engineers love it. Uh, yeah. I'm going to buy the stock, right? So that, you know, because just people just think that's the future. And I always talked about data. It's like that may be the future, but I, w- I don't know. I mean, it's back to, like, how is this company going to grow into this valuation? Yeah. I mean, well, that's, a, you know, you that's know, my thing.
0: my. My position on, the, on, on, the, on, you know, stock market stuff is like, I don't know what the fuck's going on with that, right? Like the only, uh, the, only, the only thing I ever got figured out or have figured is that like, you know, you got to think about, you got to think about n- in a normal situation, buying shares is like a weird bank account. Like you got to put your cash somewhere mm-hmm. and hopefully yeah. it makes money. And then there's also just a bunch of crazy speculators as well. And that's whatever. It's just a weird mix. I have right. no idea.
2: We are sponsored this week by StrongDM. Managing your remote team as they work from home, managing a gazillion SSH keys, database passwords, and Kubernetes certs, meet StrongDM. Manage and audit access to servers, databases, and Kubernetes clusters, no matter where your employees are. With StrongDM, easily extend your identity provider to manage infrastructure access, automate onboarding, offboarding, and moving people within roles. Grant temporary access that automatically expires to on-call teams. Admins get full auditability into anything anyone does. When they connect, what queries they run, what commands are typed. It's full visibility into everything. For SSH, RDP, and Kubernetes, that means video replays. For databases, it's a single unified query log across all database management systems. StrongDM is used by companies like Hearst, Peloton, Betterment, Greenhouse, and SoFi to manage access. It's more control and less hassle. StrongDM. Manage and audit remote access to infrastructure. Start your free 14-day trial at strongdm.com slash Again, that's strongdm.com slash And we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show.
0: Tangentially related. I, I, there's been a lot of, uh, I, think, I think the Gartner multi-cloud container magic quadrant, I didn't even know that existed, came out. Was, or maybe it was a Forester Wave. I forget. the Wave. Of it
2: was the Forester Wave. There you go. Got to yeah. respect the I,
0: wave. I've seen the graphic. And as I was saying Magic Quadrant, I saw those, uh, those, those little giant circles bubbles. from the from The, the giant pebbles bubbles, from yes. Me. And so, you know, also over in my neck of the woods, the VMware Tanzu. Now that I've said VMware Tanzu, I can say Tanzu after this. Uh, I can drop the VMware. Um, but, you know, we had an uh, announcement of some uh, packagings of our uh, Kubernetes distro and the associated tools around it, uh, that that's that's fun. We didn't name them metallurgically; they're they're named more in the uh, the basic standard, and I forget the other ones, sort of enterprise and advanced, I think. But I think I got those mixed up. However, Brandon, I know you study this area carefully, and so I was curious what what is this category that we that there's a whole wave of what it, and and what are like the uh, I haven't read the report. But like, what's the criteria that we're thinking about this multi-cloud platform on? And and to pile on a question, and this is what made me think of that is, you sort of summed up, I think, the ultimate buying car- criteria of any IT-related thing, which is performance as cheap as I can get it, right? And like, I think another thing that that's unique in what you have is, so when you look out across these developer types and other people who are looking to evaluate this, right? Because you look at all this stuff trying to figure out how to how to hustle some of that. Like, is that the lens they're looking at everything through? Do they just want performance for as cheap as possible? How are they evaluating these things? So that is my multi-part question. <laughs> I like it.
2: Well, first, let's set to see. So it, it was the Forrester Wave, and to be 100% official here, it's the multi-cloud container development platform. So, of course, we'll have a little inside baseball. Clearly, Forrester wants to, like, carve out, like, a little niche here. Probably doesn't. I don't think there's a corresponding MQ for this. So they're they're definitely trying to, like— differentiate themselves, the major players here. So I'll just give you the rankings, Red Hat, IBM way out, basically very, you know, they're number one in strategy kind of cluster and they're the leader, right. But kind of, if you will, on the uh, current offering, they're kind of matched up with Google Anthos, who have, of course, doesn't have as strong a strategy. And the, and the thing about the the Forrester wave is they have this bubble and the circle represents how many customers you are. So you got Red Hat, Google and Rancher, all in the leader's quadrant with Red Hat slightly ahead. And then you have VMware right on the cusp of being uh, from strong performer to leader. So I will also go ahead right now and predict next year's Forrester Wave for you. This is what's going to happen. VMware will move right into the leader's quadrant forcing and it will basically be Google Anthos and ranchers will be clustered with it. And then red hat will move back. Right. I guarantee this. I will guarantee you this is what is going to happen. Uh, so that will be next year's, uh, you can just go ahead, bank on it. And then there's a bunch of other companies I won't talk about there. So well, go ahead.
1: Well, R- rancher was acquired. So right. Right. Probably, so that's going to be the thing. Rancher's bubble. will has got bigger. to drop off. You think so? Do you I think know think rancher
2: they, will they get, get bigger, bigger only because of the SUSE acquisition. Right. Uh, um, because they'll just – no, this is how it works. They'll just make them bigger. It's just how it is, and, right? But then they will ding them a little bit because they're like, well, you're bigger, but you slowed down a little bit. That's, I'm just – they're just telling you what they're going to do, right? This is already written in the report. And then they'll want this all clustered because the biggest thing you look at here is VMware has the biggest bubble, right? So that means they basically have the biggest customer base. I think we all know why. Now, okay, um, Sorry,
0: sorry. I let – Oh, bubble is market presence. Got yeah, market right presence the has the quote unquote ah, okay,
2: biggest okay. market presence. So it's really important. Like when you look at like the size of the circle, of yeah, the size of the circle okay, here okay. gives you sort of like the third axis. So, so I think we understand that. I don't, the one part we'll have to get a friend of the show here, Brian Gracely, on is like, why Red Hat? Like, I always hate when they put the dot uh, outside the axis. They're basically saying Red Hat's stronger strategy is so much. Sup- uh, more superior that it can't be plotted on this graph with everything else, which is just totally, absolutely ludicrous, right? Like, they I mean, why you would need do a this? Logarithmic circle? Yeah, I mean, of course they adjust, they could just adjust the scale if this was the case, and if and of course, like it, we act like this is some type of precise data. So I don't know why. Like, I was trying to think to myself, like, why the Red Hat strategy? I know I think it's good. I'm, I don't have a problem with Red Hat being where they're positioned it. I just don't know what is so distinctive about the strategy that it would be kind of this outlier kind of thing. So that's like a little weird to Mm me. Um, but to your, your second part of your question, Cote, going all the way back was what I do think most large it, uh, companies with any large it estate is they are definitely asking the question of, we want, we think we want to use one of the public clouds, but we also feel like we need to maintain an it estate and we are interested in containerization and we are trying to figure out which of the platforms w- makes the most sense. And I think, you know, mm. this is why. So I do get questions on all of these Anthos, OpenShift, uh, the Tanzu, since you already said it, we don't have to say VMware. Rancher, Not I haven't seen it as much. I think it is really popular. And I will say every one of these companies that have been uh, in the, uh, the leaders quadrants, everyone had an interview on Software Defined Talk. So, I mean, draw your own conclusion there. Causation, correlation, we'll never know. Uh, so I do think absolutely people, uh, think about that. Uh, and that is a problem that is front and center. Now, the one I think going really? forward, the final to wrap this long monologue up would be like, I still don't know why Azure Arc is not here. And then of course we have to assume next year, AWS will have an offering and they'll be on here in some way as well.
0: Mm. Now, now so so once again, I have not read this report yet. I'm eagerly going to get my friend Johnny to get me a copy and I'll just comb through it as I like to do. But so is this basically Kubernetes that they're talking about? What is like, basically you can run, you can run slash manage Kubernetes on premise or off premise or across two different infrastructures.
2: Yeah. So that's basically, yeah. I mean, in a nutshell, right? It's that all you these can...
0: platforms mm-hmm. are Kubernetes ones, right? that they're talking about? I think at
2: this point, they're all underlying would be, okay. Uh, well, okay. so what's Morantis? I mean, they're like way back here.
0: Well, they got the, yeah. they got the Docker stuff, right? They got the, the Docker. Docker so, stuff, but which... they,
2: are they using swarm or did they convert over? Cause that would be the only thing that'd be left. And canonical, both, right? right? What's canonical. Well, well, is all? And
0: then yeah, Morantis do, has Docker its own. Like to thing. To Kubernetes. Okay.
2: Yeah. So everything is, so at this point it's how quickly can you, whatever they have, whatever your magic uh, um, features are, like how quickly can you set up, you know, your on-premise environment and then essentially hook into one of the public clouds and that would be your multi-cloud. So, which is really, you you know, know, most of the time it's like, how quickly can you set up Kubernetes pods in somewhere else, which can be very okay. easy or more complicated.
0: And then, and then I, again, say it for the fifth time, having not read the report yet, I'm assuming from the, the title there, this is for de- developers would use this, right? Like, so there has to be something that's helping out programmers there somehow like this. So that would be a, a bonus sort of treat to have mixed in there that you got some, some software stuff, some software, to, some, some, uh, SDKs, frameworks, APIs. Well, I think that would uh, be the whole, like,
2: I think that's where the, the competition in this space really resides. It's like, well, how easy once I've you know packaged up and built my container, right? How easily mm-hmm. can I deploy it and how easily can I then make changes to it? Right. So this is back to, you know, kind of your, your world Kote, you're all the way back to your, your previous job or your current job at pivotal, right? Like it's more than just about the infrastructure and managing all this stuff. It's like, well, how do we enable the business? And I think yeah, clearly yeah. like red hat has a strong story there and clearly, you know, the pivotal story lives on within VMware and then you could say, like, Google and Anthos, right, why maybe we would pick their strategy more. They are more focused on, like, oh, we'll just get your containers running. I think they have a little less to say about the end-to-end story. Um, no. I'm sure they would dispute that, but, like, you know, just kind of looking at that. And then you've got, you know, just other stuff, like Canonical, Matt was asking about, Platform9 and Rantus. They're all significantly way back, in the, way back in the pack. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> tough
0: to be, like
1: – tough position for them. I was them. throwing shade so, <laughs> <and> so let, <laughs>
0: messages. So, so to close it out, the, the conclusion we have from this chart is there are some people at Microsoft who are just like, fuck. Like, you're saying they— I, you I mean, I don't know. Like, like they Art could have
2: said—I think Azure Arc, like, belongs here. But maybe maybe I'm yeah. missing the criteria a little bit. And also, too, like, maybe they missed the cutoff because this was just published. Oh, but yeah. then Arc was—so, well, uh, I mean, that, that's a big miss here. Without AWS— and i'm just assuming you report, aws it might explain why it's not there right, I, was gonna, I was gonna say um i'm just assuming i mean that's i guess predictions for uh you know reinvent right it's like i just assume aws will get involved here but of course they could just say like yeah, yeah no they we don't. The pieces for it right yeah i mean they, they, they had they everything locker, right
1: right you yeah. know you could slip that in and all of a sudden you know hey, we'll run our bottle rocket on your prem. Yeah, so I'm going to say Azure
2: it. Arc just kind of missed the deadline. They weren't ready or whatever. They'll be in next year's. Because uh, it's probably got, you know, this data collection probably happened six months ago. And then uh, and then AWS, like, I assume they want to play here. So next year we're going to see that. And I think we'll see a couple people either get bought or drop off. would be my next?
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I'll just put in a plug since, you know, I can. There's a, There's a great... 90 minute video from one of my uh, teammates, Tiffany, going over what the, uh, the Tanzu Kubernetes stuff is all the associated ancillary stuff in there. She even launches the, uh, the spring pet store in it and she oh, delightfully narrates go. it that's through a there. Classic if, if you right
2: there, that's a classic. Yeah.
0: If you, if you watch the first video, you get to see tasty meat, Paul's tasty meat, Paul and, uh, and Bob kind of just cracking wise in there. But, uh, you gotta i'll put a link to it you gotta scrub about uh sixteen minutes into it and then you just it's just like boom straight up command like doing all the stuff it's uh i think it's nice uh gives a good first, overview there first fifteen minutes is just we'll be
1: starting the recording in
0: five yeah, yeah but i gotta tell you if if you haven't seen paul's recent hairstyle it's it's good i like it he's really he's doing something new there that i i fully endorse it's it's uh i wish my son could have that haircut instead of the uh the 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 mop that he's got at the moment. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really care about my son's hair. It's, you know, it's fine. but uh, well, also, you know, uh, there's two things I think are worth pointing out. So uh, you know that I love chip news. It's one of my favorite uh, oh, categories yeah. <laughs> now i didn't I didn't go read it, uh, but there is there is I saw there was an ACM article from one of the oxide people about uh, kind of a current analysis of how the chip industry works, which which uh, looked—I should find that link. It looked very educational, very nice. and uh, But also, I think, so SoftBank's so offloading ARM—I don't yeah. know, offloading is probably not— it's probably profitably selling ARM uh, to NVIDIA, and uh, so you got that going on. Now, that's—people uh, love chips. Yeah, people
1: like the chips.
0: Now I wonder. I wonder if I if I remember some news thing. I think SoftBank bought it for less than forty billion dollars. Yeah, I forget there, if it was I think thirty like thirty five. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. You know, they've got a vast empire, including WeWork, and I wonder how this affects the uh, the coolness of of their returns. Like if that if that is helpful. I'm not well, really and, sure.
2: I was gonna say in reading the uh, some of the coverage it was it seems like SoftBanks needs cash so they're happy to yes. Yes. sell this at a small profit and then they're going to maintain um i don't know exactly what the percentage but they'll have some percent of the company going forward so oh, so, th- yeah. so it's one of those and some nvidia yes i mean i guess yeah i guess that's really the way to say it. they get some nvidia which of course right now right. those shares are on fire so um you know, be good but i do think the one thing about it is like you know not to get into the, all the arm stuff because there's so much there but it does really seem like a, a potential changing of the guard, right? This seems like, you know, Intel's been on the decline for a while. NVIDIA had been, you know, kind of threatening Intel in some different way. So I think with them, if you will, taking on ARM, it's certainly symbolic that like, hey, the that the the major chip provider here going forward is, is about to change hands. And then, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll have to see what NVIDIA does. if Because, um, of course, ARM's a licensing company. So does NVIDIA come no. out and try to actually start you know um manufacturing chips that are like you know on par with apple's arm or you know arm chips or like make those chips even more widely available i think that's kind of the interesting play uh-huh. uh, going forward with that
0: yeah now, now now let me now let me ask one more question on this topic and that is um so why is arm not like a giant company that's unacquirable <laughs> like no one's ever like intel gets acquired right, right. like so, but ARM is like I don't know anything about chips, but ARM is like everywhere. Like, is it? But like yeah. I
2: remember that they just they just license. They're just a licensing. Yeah, they, they company. are.
1: They are an IP licensing company, so they don't actually manufacture anything.
0: So right, right, right. No, no, no. Uh, sorry, I, I, I know. I know structurally why. Why yeah. is it that they chose to be like that? Like, it's it's. Like, do well, you make was... a choice that like? Like in a situation like so, if you're a licensing company, I think what that means is that if you own the company, it's sort of like the minimal amount of work for the maximum amount of money, right? Like yes. you don't have to carry like manufacturing. You're just yes. sort of like, yeah, how about someone else does that, and I don't have to get involved in that because my stuff is so valuable that I can just license it. Right. And, and, I think
2: you okay, but I think you have to. Go, we have to go back a little bit in history here to like figure out why it was like this. It's like, you know at the time x86 right dominates the market there's really no place to go try to build new desktops right and it's like Mm -hmm. intel's going to be successful forever right so you kind of have that but then you know even in the 90s there was like well we'd like to have chips that are smaller and lower powered and they're going to run in very small things you know and it's they're gonna have really really low margin so intel's not interested chip companies aren't interested and what we really need is we just need to all agree so that we don't have to, like, build – everyone has to build this proprietary chips themselves and always mm. end up with different instruction sets. So we, need, we just need somebody to come together and license out an instruction set that we can all use because, hey, these chips are going to be small. They're not going to make a ton of money, and they're going to run in, like, consumer electronics. It's not a great business, but we need it. So I think that's sort of, like, where ARM comes from. And then, of course, like, you know, we all know the story. It's like, well, all these phones, right, and then Intel – you know, I guess somewhat, you know, tragically, depending on how you look at it, like declines Apple's offer to like build the chips, and then that starts like, well, let's use ARM chips. I see, I and see. then now, yeah, of course, huh? ARM is, you know, it's the. I guess we could go back reference our little innovator's dilemma, right? Now ARM has grown up to be so big that you know one of the things that happened this week is AWS, you know, again has now moved more of their workloads, or they have another server type that's gone to ARM CPUs, which of course is a lot cheaper for them. And now, and then Intel, of course, moving their desktops and their laptops to ARM. It's like, well, now it seems like ARM is going to be the dominant chip for like the next decade until something else I happens. See. So I don't think it you know, was less it strategy, was, more more sort just, of history.
0: It's it's all that could happen, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, it was it was the the, <laughs> well, it, the, the chip market well, that was like the main uh, the hole that that could be gone through. Versus, but, but uh, if, if, if other you things.
1: look at it kind of from a a macro scale it's almost similar to like the success of open source right you had this standard that was like not as good as intel but you know what we can all collaborate on it together and this way we don't have to fight over this little bit you know we won't and you know as long as we all share our work we can make this thing better and so you had companies like you know marvel and you know whoever like apple and all these others working on this chip that was kind of slow kind of pokey but they all kept working together to make it better and sharing their experiences and then you know they didn't do the manufacturing which is super costly and you've got companies like tsmc to to take that off your hands and over the time it just kept getting better and better and it's almost an open source story you know with (laughs) with licensing Which means, you know, now when they talk about this ARM acquisition, they start talking about the threat of risk of uh, risk V, right? Which is all open source, no licensing, and Mm -hmm. so now they're like, well, you know, uh, the the article about uh, the acquisition was like, this thing's crazy, right? The multiples that they're paying for it are really high. Um, You know, it's a really big bit bet by nvidia that they can you know hold on to this golden goose and there's threats all over the market you know good luck yeah <laughs> so, all right
0: all right that and the sense. final just to
2: like wrap the whole thing up and the other thing that made it possible was intel's just inability or or the the laws of physics catching up they just their inability to continuously produce chips that outperform uh, arm and everything else because that was the thing for so long was this intel every whatever you know 18 months 24 months right TikTok, new chip that yeah. was so much faster and so much better that the thought of using something smaller or different was crazy but you know again like we don't i don't know i don't know why intel faltered there maybe it was just inevitable but that's what then opened the door for arm and intel at this point you know they think about what they would have
1: to do well, to, t- to arm, catch but up but also amd right yeah, amd and AMG, is right been savaging yes until on the x86 front and then all of a sudden you know both of them are going to get hit by this tidal wave yeah
0: which yeah. might yeah. not happen but you know i know this is like the pot getting shocked at the kettle but like it's it's amazing that you two get so worked up over chips just like, <laughs> just very excited about chips it's a- uh, amazing there must be some story i think we could all agree that storage is boring but there must be some people out there who are just like they're just like yeah. please get me started and then you can't you can't get them off the uh, get them off the zoom they're all into it. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, I invented something called uh, two things I want to just note before we, we move on. One, uh, I, you know, I, I used to I, I call it the webinar shirt, right? You're going to be on a video. You want to look good. So you always have this button-up shirt you can just put on. You've got your webinar shirt. And then I discovered the other night I took what, uh, what I would call a Zoom shower. I think people used to call this an Italian shower. But, you know, you just sort of go like wash your face and uh, comb your hair, not a full on shower because you got to be on the Zoom there. So that's you can kind of squeak that in. Now, that doesn't allow you meditation time or time to listen to your audible books. But uh, it's I I think something you can uh, plan for now There's a few few conferences online. You got the uh, the DevOps world uh, for, you know, brought to you by Cloudbees and other stuff. And uh, it's going to be September 22nd and 24th coming up. You should check that out. We still still have uh, EnvoyCon October 15th, also in this year. And then uh, finally, KubeCon uh, Europe is uh, November 17th. No, that's uh, North America, right? No, it doesn't really matter, does it? It just matters if you want to be up at night or up early in the morning, if you're just uh, going in uh, globally, whatever, online. But that's uh, November 17th and 20th. We got all the links for those three over at uh, softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 257. Do we have any bureaucracy we should go over, Brandon, before recommendations?
2: Just a couple quick things. One, uh, for those interested, the software defined talk mega thread and the software defined talk Slack now at 1,193 messages. So, <laughs> team, team, keep up the good work. We'll see. Uh, again, a long way from uh, the current record holder of over 5,000 messages at our friends at, uh, uh, I can't remember where they are now. Um, but yeah so digital ocean digital ocean they're still crushing so we of course yield the uh, the number one place to them but we're catching up fast also i wanted to say a um, couple people posted jobs there's a couple data job data dog jobs um, you know word is data dogs doing well <laughs> so maybe that's a good place to go work also know some people in the slack are looking for jobs so i would say if, you're, if you are if you are That's right. If you're in the uh, software defined talk Slack, you're probably somebody that um, anybody here would want to hire. So you can go find people. They're looking for jobs as well. Um, That's it. And of course, if you want stickers, just send me your postal address to stickers at software defined talk.com. Happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world.
0: As long time listeners know, our first ad was a job ad for Casper mattresses. They didn't want to advertise mattresses with us, but for hiring uh, ops people for sure. I uh, never followed up on that to see how it went, but it was it was sure delightful. What do you mean that, we that have was... a
2: quote? We, what do you mean we have a great uh, testimonial? Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Did yeah, they say had, they Strike h- that they from the someone? record.
2: Yeah, they said it was great. They said they got tons of great candidates.
0: This is why you do the media kits, Brandon. That's right. And That's just, why I'm in charge just, of that. I just show up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, this week, yeah, Matt, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend?
1: Uh, so I've been... Um catching up on on some older series uh been watching a show that came out in the 2007-2008 era uh, it's on youtube of all places uh called supersizers go um it was a british uh, bbc series about a um uh, man and woman who go and try to eat in different time periods of history and, uh, you know, they, they do like, uh, you know, the, the restoration, the 1920s, you know, World War II, uh, you know, ancient Rome. Um, it's, it's very entertaining, uh, kind of foul uh, at times, um, the things that people eat or have eaten in the past. Uh, but I've been enjoying it. And uh, it's free on YouTube because, you know, it's been off the air for 12 years. Uh, but that's my pick. Go go find it. It's pretty pretty entertaining.
0: That does sound delightful. Uh, that that's <laughs> that's some research for my uh you know my how to eat project. I've you know I've got that one episode how to eat canned peaches. Oh yeah, that.
1: you should that's totally awesome. watch it.
0: Yeah, yeah as long great. as you
1: like watching people eat you know whole heads of sheep and stuff from the oh, yeah. Roman times and oh there there's some really foul stuff. The earlier it is, the grosser it is. Man, Just heads I, up.
0: When I was in Iceland last year or the year before that I, I had, uh, we had either gotten there just before or after Thor's holiday where they eat a bunch of like purposely rotted, like head meat or yes. something. Oh, and then,
1: yeah. and then the place oh.
0: that served it year round, this is like the Icelandic Thanksgiving. And the place that, uh, that served it year round was a, a restaurant and a bus station that had closed <laughs> like eight months <laughs> before, before we got there or something. Was, so I don't know how I'm going to get my, uh, my rotten meat. I'm gonna to have to go Ugh. back to uh, Iceland at some point. I need Damn. someone to help me there. Well, the series is great. Uh, how about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend?
2: All right, I have two things this week. So before I get to my recommendation, I want to reference. Uh, I want to make a correction to the Weeds podcast. My, Matt yeah. Iglesias this week uh, interviewed uh, Veronica, R- Representative Veronica S- Escobar, uh, and they're to about uh, about a bunch of uh, policies. And I, first of all you you probably know if you're someone that likes the weeds podcast so if you do use it so of course they had a great discussion about many political things not not going to comment on any of that probably agreed with all of it but if if anyone cares but i must take massive disagreement with uh Veronica so Matt the short story is uh Matt Iglesias was saying that they were disappointed they couldn't come to Austin this year and do the podcast live because of covid of course and he misses the breakfast tacos But she then chimes in and attempts to correct him, saying that what they have in Austin are not breakfast tacos. They are breakfast burritos. And let me just tell you, this is the only time I'm going to attempt to correct a U.S. (laughs) congresswoman. No, no, no. A flour tortilla with egg in it and some other things, usually bacon, but other uh, potential things, that is 100% a breakfast taco. And in no way is that a breakfast burrito. And I, I just cannot allow that to stand. So I wanted to get my correction on the record there. So um but yeah, so you can check out that podcast if you're if that's the kind of thing you're into. But if you're interested into um uh potentially uh just you know mindless entertainment, I've been watching uh Raised by Wolves on HBO. It's kind of a a post apocalyptic look at the human race and or space and you know, the other robots and you know kind of different factions fighting um but i will say i I enjoy it and i think you know right now i think hbo i kind of rotate around like i think hbo is my favorite streaming service i think i'm watching like two or three shows on there that i actually remember to like watch once a week so they're actually good so uh, if you just want to watch something fun check out raised by wolves
0: yeah i don't know what that burrito nonsense was about that's i mean that's that's the el paso district right
2: yeah yeah no i mean it's just it's it's a 100 percent. we can call the tacos. I mean, I'm not going to acknowledge what you're saying. These are breakfast there, tacos.
0: There's a reason that they're in their own time zone over there, and I think this is a <laughs> demonstration of it. Yes. It's just this. It's a whole other. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. You know that I forget the name of it. But that said, I did uh, go to that whatever that local El Paso place is that uh, is known for being like the drunk food paradise. I think maybe it's Chicos. I forget. But you get the. Uh, I don't know what they call them out there in the land that where they don't know how to name things but you get you get the taquitos the 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 deep fried things maybe flautas i you know i whatever but uh, you get like five of those deep fried just swimming in a pool of of hot sauce but no they're like the little tiny ones that are like ah, the, taquitos they're they're like they're like the cigarillo of of uh, chimichangas right <laughs> like if a chimichanga is a cigar these are the cigarillos that you have C- and boy, C- boy those, those are pretty good. All of the reaction of uh, the people we were visiting who lived there when we told them we went to, uh, again, I think it was Chico's. We were like, oh, we went to Chico's and ate that. Their instant reaction was like, why did you go there? But, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty good. <laughs> the,
1: so, yes, I had a relative who, uh, they lived in El Paso, and they, you know, they were telling us about all the great Mexican food they could get. And all these awesome places uh, when we were coming to visit them from Austin, and they're like, "You got to check this place out!" And they took us to Ponchos.
0: Oh man, <laughs> I could go for a Ponchos nowadays. Raise the flag. I wonder who owns that IP. Someone should go buy that. And just buy the uh, the whole Ponchos. It's probably not
1: cool. We, we should we should see if software defined talk can get that. We, that can be our thing. Raise the flag.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I'm not going to be call. like
1: like South Park having the Braniff logo for no reason, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm you know I'm not going to tell fellow Texans what they can and can't call things, but I think I think Brandon's yeah. take is right. Like once you start getting into the the, the you know the hill country, you got it. We I'll 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 call it a burrito when I'm out there in El Paso, which is fucking never. Uh, but you know it's yeah, and corn tortillas. Come on, who likes corn tortillas? that's there's good they're all right but it's sort of like it's sort of like you know would you like some wheat bread or some delicious white bread i actually eat all right. that. that's a bad all analogy right. i'm just saying you know no you're
1: um, right you're right there there are some pla- corn tortillas though they have their place
0: that's true that's they're true have you i mean have you ever had a breakfast taco with corn tortilla it just like falls apart in your hands yes it's well ridiculous. you double wrap them yeah Oh, there you go. No, this is like,
2: I, I have only by accident. Do not order them that way. That's never the intention. No. That's not no, the this way is, the intention. This
0: is. I think this whole thing that you got to double wrap uh, with right. corn tortillas is indicative the of flaw. the problem of yes, corn tortillas. Yes. Like, now you got like, two. Not, not only
1: have a lower floor, but they also, sometimes they have a high high,
0: right? This is, this is. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a well, I've already
1: had this conversation about oh. tacos, about hard
0: shell tacos. Like, well, yeah. oh, you're just complicating things, Matt. Yeah. I, no, I know. no one I'm eats a hard
2: shell breakfast tacos. taco. That would be migas no, then. No, that's true. Now no, we're, no. Now that, we're that, branching that into does, a that. whole nother area of breakfast no, food. That is
1: not a thing. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. There was a conversation about hard, hard tacos versus soft tacos. And I said, soft tacos, generally better. Hard tacos, they have a higher high. They do. But also the, 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 the floor for them is, is much lower. Like you can have some terrible corn tortillas, but there's some really good corn tortillas out there. Few and far between. Okay. I would,
2: I'll stipulate that like for regular tacos. Yes, I agree with that. But I'm, I'm narrowing my comments to this one correction. Breakfast tacos. Definitely call them breakfast tacos in Austin. You order a breakfast burrito here in Austin. No one will know what you're talking about.
0: You know what I want to hear is, is so at the the end of this, at the end of this uh, thing, you're alluding to uh, our friend, Matt and our friend, uh, Matt Iglesias was like, "Oh, my wife is from San Antonio, and she has a lot of religious thoughts on this." And then they just didn't talk about it. I feel like there's some some tape on the editing room floor that I would like to hear. Maybe he he called up his got his wife on the phone, and they just kind of like had a thirty minute session. I want to hear. I don't really know what the San Antonio angle is on this, but I feel like it's very similar to the. Uh, it might even be stricter. I feel like San Antonians would have a stricter take on all of this than Austin people. Cause Austin people would just be like, Hey man, I'll have another one, whatever. Yeah. Whereas I yeah. feel like the San Antonio people would be like, I'm fucking San Antonio. Like yeah. we're old school. Like, and we have rules. They are. This is like, like this is Austin's not Austin. Gonna, yeah. Rules. Austin's going to bring in
1: like the, the, uh, the Torchies, you know, the, the taco deli, the, the permutations
0: on the classic, right?
1: right? Right. I Which,
0: mean, I mean, they're good, but they're not, so, they're, they're
1: not for the purist.
0: The, the way, you know, Dallas has got fuck all to say about any of this. But like the uh, what's going <laughs> to happen is the, that. the San Antonians and the El Paso people are going to band together against the common enemy of like, what the fuck's a Bulgaki taco? They're just going to yes. be like these Austin people have clearly gone insane. We need to burn it all down and restore balance if they're and like throwing they pineapples
1: and stuff in that, there. That a breakfast burrito is an atrocity. Go back
0: to California. I don't even, I mean, I'm, I, I'm just confused. Like a burrito, I feel like a burrito has to be closed on both ends, right? If you don't, if you, if, unless it's closed on both ends. 100%. And then you would put
2: sauce on it. Again, just more evidence that clearly it is 100% inaccurate what she was saying. And also while we're over here the, uh, on the Twitch uh, chat here, getting some questions. Someone, uh, a listener asked like, doesn't McDonald's have a breakfast burrito thing? The answer is yes, and you should never order it. Under no circumstances should you order this breakfast burrito. One, the fact that it's named a breakfast burrito is wrong. Two, if you are anywhere where you have the possibility to walk into any other area, certainly in Austin, you should leave the McDonald's and go get yourself a proper breakfast taco at really anywhere in Austin. Literally anywhere else will be better than McDonald's. That's my recommendation on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I have had the, uh, what did someone write, the... Uh... I don't know if it, you're supposed to call it a mixla or a michla, but I've, I've had those tortillas. I'm, I'm down with the corn and the, uh, the flour mixed together. I just, I just don't like, too many times in my life, and I'm starting to tear up here because it's very tragic when this happens. I'm eating a taco, and it's a corn taco, and then it just breaks. Yes. And, now, and now I've got a mess. And then I don't have enough cheese and eggs. I don't have migas. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I didn't want, if I wanted migas or chiliquiles, I would have ordered that. But no, now I've got a fucked up taco. And I, bl- I blame the corn tortilla. And that's just like, <laughs> I'm, that's, you know, life is too short for that. Anyways, my recommendation this week, and it requires you to have quite a bit of life because I think it's uh, six to eight hours, is uh, a long time ago, I purchased uh, the Audible uh, version of Beyond the Phoenix Project. Now, Beyond the Phoenix Project is basically a structured conversation between Gene Kim and John Willis, uh, kind of going all of their, over all their stuff. And uh, it's it's fun if you have the time to listen to it. I remember listening to it when I was driving around the uh, Netherlands, up and down here and there. And uh, you can also, I it's it's the the you know. Were you so, with your
1: family? Uh,
0: no, no. This was some other time when oh, I was. Okay, I was
1: like, do you do you make your family listen to tech podcasts?
0: That would be amazing. Uh, but no. <laughs> and uh, so uh, now, Gene talks at a normal rate but John talks kind of slowly so what you can do is you can put it on 2x and John sounds totally normal and you just kind of kind of put up with gene talking fast and then you can uh, plow through it but there's it's it's a I think it's from 2017 so it's got it's a little out of date you know they got the uh, the Nordstrom CSC and target stories in there and not sort of like newer ones but it's nice because it's if you enjoy listening to podcasts which if you've listened this far you probably do or you're my family on a road trip uh, like it's, uh, it's a similar format, and uh, they just kind of go over stuff conversationally. And it's, it's, a good, uh, it's good to kind of see, like, the thread of common themes run through stuff, and uh, you can check that out. You can also get the text of it if you want, but that's, uh, that's what I'd look into. So, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com 257. There's all sorts of news items that we didn't cover there. And, you know, you can call it whatever you want doesn't really matter but unless it's you know if it's, if it's a flour tortilla with eggs in it then that is a breakfast taco i don't i've had breakfast burritos before you can buy those anywhere you can go to the taco deli and they'll make one but it's closed on both ends and very very big uh you know it's a special I, tortilla it's the burrito tortilla <sighs> Next thing you know, someone's going to say there's a breakfast taco where their tortilla is blue, and it's just like, I'm out. I, I, don't, I don't even want to engage with that idea. That's, that's nothing. All right. Well, uh, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye.